Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us here on your evening runway, Money FM 89.3. Time for Market View now. We take a closer look at Singapore stock market and its likely close for the day. The biggest movers, of course, sectors and companies to watch to help you better position your portfolio. First, a quick recap of what happened this Thursday in the, in the markets in Singapore. It slipped with the first few minutes of trade when they opened this morning, led by declines by real estate investment trusts and other index counters. That's as investors await a slew of earnings in the coming weeks. So in the early trade, the Straits Times Index headed down 0.2%, when it opened after 33.9 million securities change hands in the broader market. And um, the closing numbers right now, benchmark STI down about a quarter percent to 3145 794 million sing dollars worth of value turnover today. Gainers outnumbering losers, uh, 264 to 277. Top five movers by value, DBS, SIA, UOB, Genting, Singapore, OCBC. Um, the other heavily traded stocks today, Citrium, Genting, Singapore, and Tybev. Now, in terms of companies to watch, we were talking about this earlier, Maple, Maple Tree Logistics Trust, the trust manager announcing 1.2% year-on-year rise in distribution per unit on the back of a resilient portfolio, as well as contributions from its acquisitions and divestment gains. Elon Musk, well, he made a comment on Chinese EV firms uh, to the U.S. Federal Reserve rising, uh, raising the rate on its emergency loan program uh, and more international Re, uh, headlines also in focus today. So let's take a closer look now and in some analysis with David Chad, director of Azure Capital, joining us right now. Uh, David, so the Singapore stock market, mm-hmm. um, what do you think? How did it fare today and uh, where are we heading? Well, uh, hey, Elliot and Dean, well, uh, it was a mixed bag at the start of the trading session today, I think for the Asian markets, you know, as shares of your Tesla suppliers in Asia, you know, took a beating after the automaker, you know, mixes targets. Even as uh, your news of PBOC in China cutting reserve requirements for the country lenders as early as next year, you know, hit the market yesterday. And um, by early afternoon today, you know, the tight somewhat changed and the more market indices turned green mm-hmm. as market sentiment became positive, you know, after the Hong Kong and China market sort of held their gains, you know, from the morning and even extended to the afternoon session. Um, I mean, considering the, the volume close of the U.S. market, you know, this morning, it's really hard for the STI to not close in the green. But sometimes the thing just in that, you know, straightforward. And, you know, with that, STI actually closed, you know, point, uh, 3% lower for the day. So, movers-wise, I think uh, what really caught my attention would be the rates. With the uh, overall SG uh, rate index, you know, falling by, I think, around 2 plus percent, even as there are, you know, somewhat positive news coming out from China. David, um, let's take a look at this. Maple Logistics Trust, SunTech Read, ESR Logos mm-hmm. Read, OUE Commercial Read, Fraser Centerpoint Trust. What uh, are the top two rates that stood out uh, today? Okay, uh, well, I think they are names you know, from the list, uh, you know, which 
which are actually stood up for me. But, you know, uh, these names are actually rich with China exposures you know, that were being uh, singled out. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, you know, Maple Tree Logistic Trust, which lost about 5% today, actually saw weakness in its China contributions. And this China-based assets actually accounts for 19%, you know, of the assets, you know, uh, based on data from their latest results briefing. And, you know, with this, um, I guess it's hard for the market overall to not turn their attention on other REITs which have significant exposure, you know, in China, especially their assets in, in China. Mm-hmm. And uh, from then on, I noted that, you know, they began to sell down their shares even before some of them, you know, had their latest results briefings. So for ESR REIT in particular, uh, which is our first link to the Hong Kong listed ESR group, this is actually the third largest, you know, publicly traded real estate investment manager globally with assets across, you know, China, Japan, South Korea, and Singapore. Then, you know, you also have your Capital Land China Trust, which has several malls across Beijing, Shanghai, and Chengdu, etc. I mean, to be fair, you know, the woes that China has been facing for some time now, you know, should have been partially priced into their respective stock price already. But, you know, that's the market for you. Um, David, speaking of China, it cut reserve requirements ratio for banks by 50 basis points. Um, this is the first in September. So how far uh, do you think this uh, will bolster mm-hmm. Hong Kong and the Chinese markets, so the mainland Chinese markets? Right, right. For the Hong Kong market, I think as measured by the uh, Hang Seng Index, it closed the day around 2% higher, you know, and the China market, if you look at the Shanghai and Shenzhen, it closed, you know, 2 to 3% higher. Mm-hmm. So uh, it certainly gave a short-term boost to this market, uh, you know, with the cutting of uh, this triple R, you know, uh, it has, you know, actually released liquidity of around, you know, Renminbi, you know, 1 trillion in our estimation. So apart from this, uh, the China government has also, you know, lowered the re-lending and, you know, re-discount loan rates for some of the enterprises as SMBs by 25 bits, which is a further boost to the market. So if I look at it, um, I mean, to be honest, this uh, 50% basis point cut is actually a small surprise to us, but not totally unexpected at all. In fact, uh, how we look at it is that we as well anticipated triple R cut or, you know, loan policy rates cuts as early as first Q this year. But the magnitude of 50 bits uh, indeed, you know, went a bit beyond expectations, considering that the previous four rounds of triple R cuts in the year 2022 as well as last year were of only 25 bits uh, each time. So um, we think that, you know, but, you know, taking a step back still, we think that the triple R cut will still make investors slightly more po- optimistic about, you know, uh, we had denominated assets in the short run, but it's really uncertain whether the impacts will be long-lived, you know, especially as uh, China's real, real, real interest rate is still high and the confidence problem arising from their property crisis remains uh, unresolved. Of course, we're listening to analysis uh, with David Chan, director at Azure Capital here on your evening runway. Um, let's uh, take a look at what's happening in the U.S., David. The U.S. Fed's uh, mm-hmm. raising the rate on loans to banks issued under an emergency lending program launched last year after borrowing surge in recent weeks with institutions taking advantage of attractive financing terms. So any thoughts on uh, on this? I think the end result of this uh, rising of this uh, emergency lending is I think the impact is a nearly a 50 basis point jump in new borrowing costs. I understand that, you know, this move could, you know, potentially be perceived as a market negative move for some, you know, due to the perception that, you know, Fed is removing support, you know, for those in your uh, economy need, even as you know, interest rates 
in the real world remains at a multi-decade high. But um, I mean, it's still my opinion that this move should still be seen as a net positive. And why is that so? I think um, first and foremost, we mustn't forget that uh, you know, it's an emergency lending to begin with, you know, to handle the fallout caused by Silicon Valley Bank last year. And uh, a removal of this program is actually a signal that you know, this emergency is over. And uh, we mustn't forget that, you know, the Fed is being responsible here, you know, by sticking to its mandate of providing, you know, maximum employment and, you know, keeping prices stable. So it shouldn't be seen in the business, you know, of providing hedges outside of crisis time, so to speak. Um, and after all, I mean, we are not really in a crisis um, moment, you know, mm-hmm. at this juncture. And uh, I think most financial, particip- financial participants in the market should already be adapting to high, tighter financial conditions for now and should rely and shouldn't rely on easier, you know, Fed initiative to go around this uh, condition. Okay, finally, Elon Musk. <laughs> he said in a post-earnings <laughs> call that Chinese automakers will, in his word, demolish global rivals without trade barriers in place. Is he sounding desperate mm-hmm. here? Uh, I think to us it's somewhat, and I mean, you could tell from uh, Tesla financial numbers here. Yeah, I mean, if we just take a look at their auto, you know, gross margins of just 17.6% last year versus, you know, 23.8% the year before, you can see just how much discounting has done in uh, 2023, you know, on increasing competition from its competitors, notably in China. So I think to me, it's not. Totally not a surprise for him to make statements like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's also my opinion that, you know, raising tariffs further on Chinese uh, EVs uh, could you know, impact, you know, on the U.S. markets, you know, as the vehicles are always subject to a 25% uh, duty. You know, this has really hampered, you know, Chinese companies from making inroads with uh, American consumers. So if we take a take a step back, you know, not only, you know, the U.S. is uh, controlling the amount of China cars coming into the country, but they have also done a lot of work to limit, you know, China's ability to benefit from the uh, EV industry for some time now. For example, you know, just look at December last year when the Biden administration actually proposed new rules, you know, aimed at shifting more production of EV batteries and the materials that power them to the U.S. itself. Uh, so this is seen as an attempt to build up a strategic industry now dominated by China. Mm-hmm. And um, for us, you know, we really have to ask the question of whether the U.S. is ready to rely lesser and lesser on the supply chain of EVs without any China, China element. And this is the delicate part which requires careful uh, calibration. But when you look at the roads in the United States or in North America, for that matter, it's mostly Tesla when it comes to EVs, and you don't mm-hmm. really see a lot of the Chinese brands. Oh, yeah, that's roads. right. That's right. So as I was saying, it. Um, I mean, to begin with, uh, the cars were not really a lot uh, running on the U.S. road that was from China, and you know, from from some of the China EV companies, the listed one that I, I've spoken to, you know, all along they really haven't really set a lot of you know high you know car sales quota in the U.S. market. Mm. So I guess uh, if we take a step back, um, the move is more likely to uh, to hit um, the supply chain of uh, China rather than, you know, really restricting the cars from uh, being imported into the U.S. Okay, fascinating. Thank you very much, David, for uh, sharing your thoughts on all Thanks. of this. David Chow is Director of Azure Capital. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.